That was um, a little extract from Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. We had Joe has arrived. Can you hear me, Joe? I got you. You've got me. We're live. This is so exciting. Amazing. I'm so thank you for coming. Of course, anytime. Okay. I would love to be here. <laughs> so for those listeners, not sure if we've got any today, but you know that's the way the cookie crumbles um it is a gorgeous day so I don't blame them but this is Joe Watt who's a friend of mine we met in first year um Joe's great we do a lot of drama together um he does all sorts of things very talented can't wait for our can't wait for our chat Joe you've got such a good lineup of songs coming up excited yeah well thank you so much for having me um I have just returned home so I am uh recording from the land of just outside Cambridge, uh, but I've been in Bristol um, before this, um, and it is a beautiful day. I'm looking directly outside uh, at the sunshine, so it's lovely. I love that you say just outside Cambridge. I'm just outside Cambridge. Not quite Cambridge. Not quite Cambridge. Got to make sure of that. Um, yeah. Joe, shall we just? Because we don't have much time. We have to. We have like 50 minutes. So I'd love to just get started if that's all right. Amazing. Um, I have. I've looked a little bit into your songs. They're on cue. They're in the order you sent me. Do you want right. to start a bit right from the beginning? I hope they're in order, like, chronologically. They are in chronological order, yes. Amazing. So tell us a bit about your first song and why you've chosen it and what it is. Okay. Um, so for um, Fresh Meat, I feel I have a bit of a, an unfair advantage, uh, given that I took a gap year and have done two first years of uni. So I have a large pool to pull from, um, which does put me at a bit of an advantage. Um, so for track number one, I decided to throw it back to 2017, 2018, which is uh, the year after I left school. Um, and I took a year out. So I worked at uh, the Cambridge YHA, big up Cambridge YHA. Uh, if you're ever in Cambridge, that's the place to stay. Um, and then I traveled to various places over that year. And this song, so it's called uh, Wake Up by one of uh, my favorite band, uh, Arcade Fire, who my friend Mia from home introduced me to. And this is on, I have a playlist um, for that feeling just before a plane takes off when you're on the runway um, and so you're going down the runway and then you suddenly feel the, the plane completely lift off and you're not in zero gravity, but I feel it's the closest that a human can feel to being in zero gravity, apart from being in one of those big wind turbine things that you can get. <laughs> you um, so it's that like everything's really, really loud, <laughs> never done one, but they look incredible. Um, so it's also so loud. Um, and then a second later, it's completely quiet and you start gliding above. And um, this song gives me that feeling. So, yeah, it's Wake Up by Arcade Fire. Here it is. <laughs>
There we go. That was Wake Up by RK Fire. Fifth and final single released from the band's debut album. Do you know the name of the album, Joe? No. Uh, do I know the album? Yeah. <laughs> it's called Funeral. I was testing you. It's, it's called Funeral. Oh, you did know. Sorry, it's my bad Wi-Fi. Um, Joe, tell us a bit. You did know. You did know. Um, tell us a bit about what you did on your gap year. And your highlight and low light. Yes. Oh, highlights and low lights. Um, I love highlights and low lights. Um, many, many highlights on my gap year. Um, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds kind of pretentious to say that. Um, but I did a lot of traveling, which was really, really wonderful. Um, I went and lived in South Africa for three months, uh, volunteering as a scout leader. I went over to India to see my friend Francis, who I was supposed to run a tennis camp uh, there, but I think when I arrived, Francis told me that the guy I was supposed to run it with um, was on the run for like tax fraud or something. And he had come over the previous month and like basically accused everyone there of like informing the FBI on him or whatever, which was funny because he was uh, from the UK. So the FBI had no involvement with him. Um, so basically when I touched down, it was like, change of plan. We can't do this tennis camp. This guy is on the run from the law. And um, so I ended up leading these um, or like helping out at the center that uh, my friend Francis ran, um, which was really, really wonderful. Um, I like officiated an Indian wedding, which was really cool. Wow. Um, and Where I went. India, I, I yeah, yeah. Um, I was in Goa, so south, southwest India. Yeah. Lovely. And then I went down into Kerala, which is like the very bottom. How come you affiliated really your wedding? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was an odd. He was, um, Francis is basically, he's the, he's the kindest guy, but he, and he's always doing a million different things, but you don't know what any of those things are and he'll be like oh okay we're going here and you think you're just showing up, up to um this place that i've been going to every day the center where he worked um and i was like cool 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 um he's this um very small unassuming indian man um but like you get into him and he has all these like crazy um ideas and crazy things going on in his mind um great guy um, so I show up to the center um, and turns out we're not just going and visiting the center again. Um, there's a wedding going on. So I was like, great. Okay, cool. And he said, oh, they want you to be a guest at this wedding. So I thought, amazing. Cool. I get to be a guest. What an honor. Like I've barely met these people. So nice um, to be a guest at their wedding. I go into the hall. They're like, oh, you just take a seat on the stage up there. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, odd. <laughs> I was like no I really like I don't I don't need to um but I ended up yeah just sitting on the stage and um kind of officiating the wedding maybe officiate is a strong word I didn't I was not like the um equivalent of a pastor but I I certainly had to speak um and deliver some kind of blessing um which was wow. Which was, which, what I mean, it definitely uncomfortable because I had strong part of it was because I was the only white man in the room. Um, so that was, there was so something. They gave you that job. That's there quite was something a task. That. It and, was quite a task. And tell me, because Indian weddings are huge, aren't they? They're like incredibly, just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> they can, they can go on for weeks and they'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um this particular one because it was a christian wedding and christianity is very much a minority religion um in that part of india at least um so it wasn't nearly as big and um it wasn't a particularly uh well-off indian wedding so it did just happen on that one day um but there are lots of traditions even involved with um the christian wedding that that was mm. um but yeah, you'll get some huge Indian weddings. That just what like, an experience, though. 
Did you, what did you have to wear? Or did you, could it be anything? So I was, I, I was leaving the house and Francis was like, oh, you can't wear that. Just wear one of my shirts. And I, so that should have been an immediate tip off to what I'd been wearing, just shorts and like an Adidas t-shirt was not <laughs> for this wedding, which I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> so that maybe that was a red flag. Um, was I did not brilliant. So that was definitely one of your highlights, I'd assume. That was definitely a highlight. That was definitely a highlight. But then a low light, I would say later that night was it was monsoon season and we traveled around everywhere on the back of Francis's motorbike and uh, everybody basically had to leave the after party of this wedding early because there was a big monsoon coming in and it was like it probably was the biggest one that I experienced when I was there and Goa and Kerala are kind of known more so Kerala but also Goa um, are kind of known as the land of the palm trees, the land of the coconut trees. Mm. Um, and in a monsoon, that's not great because they're very flimsy. And so they were just coming down left, right and centre onto like mm. telephone poles and something. So one came down just in front of our motorbike. Um, so we hit and skidded it and basically um, crashed into this palm tree. And then we're just like, next thing I knew, I was just lying on um, the floor in a, in a kind of like, very the notebook kind of scene where it's pouring with rain but also I'm on the floor and (laughs) I think I'm dead um so kind of similar to the notebook did you get hit with any coconuts no no very very luckily the palm tree came down just before us so we just hit into it rather than it collapsing on us and so you were on the motorbike because you were coming back from the wedding in Mm -hmm. the monsoon yeah Exactly. I was on the back of his motorbike. Um, what an experience. Did you drive it round? Did you drive the motorbike? I didn't drive his motorbike round. Um, as much as I tried to make him let me drive his motorbike round, he wouldn't. Um, but I did uh, somebody else in uh, the community lent me their motorbike for a couple of days. So I did bike myself around. But as... I very much look like a tourist in southern India. I do not look like a local government. Nearly, nearly there. Nearly, nearly. Back then, maybe a bit more, um, but not quite. Um, That's a real I did get stopped by the police. And yeah, it is. I did get stopped by the police a number of times, basically being like, you have to pay this amount of fine because of this. And they tell you, every time like that is not true you do not have to pay a fine um you just need to play it off or something they're just trying to get money from you um so that happened a number of times and every time I was able to play it off very cool by basically being like no I don't I know my rights and just on the inside shaking being like please (laughs) please don't take all my money I can't do anything really oh that's interesting because when I was in India I didn't I didn't get stopped asking to be fined I did, however, get proposed to on behalf of the, so the dad proposed to me on behalf of the son in exchange for two cows. Oh, congratulations. I, have, I haven't met your cows. That's great. Thanks. They're actually in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I feel we could go on forever about your, about India. I love India. About your cows. Oh, sure. You did so much. Um, anything quickly, like, that stands out that you haven't said that you want to say before we move on to your next song? Um, I don't think so because the next song is also relating to my gap year. So it's a continuation of the narrative. So um, I, in my last act of my gap year, I worked at a summer camp in America, um, in Maryland, if anybody knows where that is. I certainly didn't. I did think uh, it was just Maryland cookies. And apparently, so it is pronounced Maryland. It's not pronounced Maryland. Yeah. Absolutely. Joe and I have had this conversation and I got extremely confused because I was thinking that's not anywhere in America because I thought it was pronounced very defensive about it actually it did get very defensive <laughs> but for those listeners it is Maryland not Mac no it's <laughs> it is Maryland not Maryland thank, thank you. you very much thank that's you. Great. still haven't learned <laughs> <laughs> so 
I worked at this summer camp, which I actually then did the following year, um, basically teaching water sports. So the first year I taught like canoeing and kayaking and things. And then the year, the next year I went back and was able to drive the boats. So water skiing and all of that cool stuff, um, which is amazing. And um, it, it was very diverse camp in terms of international intake so um i became friends with a lot of kiwis a lot of australians a lot of mexicans um and a few brits as well i went very much with the mentality of don't talk to the other brits uh like i don't want to be associated with the brits i'm an i'm a man of the world <laughs> they love the brits out there Ah, oh, they love the brits <laughs> they really love the brits did they kept asking you to repeat yourself Oh, for sure. <laughs> and not even necessarily because they don't understand you, just because they want to hear your accent. Um, the biggest thing was me saying urinal over urinal. That got like... <laughs> natural. Uh. <laughs> That's brilliant. I When I was out there, it was just, hello. Can you say that again? Hello. <laughs> there like was one time when I went to a thrift store oh. um, with my kiwi friend my australian friend and then me and we approached the till in that order and like as we went down the lines with our accents she was just getting more and more worked up and excited and by the time it got to me genuinely it looked like she was about to wear herself just <laughs> nice being like uh have a nice day like thank you for <laughs> can i have this shirt please um <laughs> so so you taught water sports when you were out there and tennis right I taught water sports, I taught tennis, and a little bit of acting as well. Lovely. As I said before, man of many talents. Um, so do you want to do <laughs> the next film, Joe? Man of very many mediocre talents. <laughs> um, so this song is Common People by Pulp, and um, it's not necessarily a song that I think is particularly great, that's a lie. I think it's a great song. Um, but it was a song that myself and my British friend, Annabelle, who even though I didn't want to make a British friend, she did become one of my closest friends. Um, we played this song on repeat. I had not heard it before the summer, but genuinely that summer, it felt like a little like British anthem without like using the national anthem. Um, we would play Common People by Pulp and it just got us really really riled up I don't know why and then we went on a little uh, New England road trip afterwards and we we're just playing it constantly so whenever I hear Common People by Pulp and it's not played on the radio or it doesn't it's not whipped out very often um, but whenever it's played it just brings me right back to being in like a gross car driving up the New England coast or just coming back from a lesson where a kid has just been really annoying and snotty, um, <laughs> but in in the best of the way. Well, um, here you yeah, go. I hope common it, people by Paul. If it takes you back to that. Show. <laughs>
that was uh, Common People by Pulp. Sorry, I just had to shorten it just because we're running out of time. Um, it was released in May 1995 as the lead single of their fifth studio album, Different Class. And I don't know if you know, Joe, but um, it was written referring to like class tourism, where common people wanted like yeah. to go down and um, describe from like glamour to, pro to poverty, which is interesting. Can you hear me? Mm. Um, I caught some of that uh, class tourism. Yeah, very, very interesting song. So we brought education as well as good humour to uh, America that summer. You did. It sounds like you fit such a lot in, Joe. I'm so impressed. Yeah, I think telling that makes it obviously because you talk about it in like this happened, this happened, this kind of way. It makes it seem like you did so much. And I think I did do so much. Um, but you think, how did I sleep? Um, <laughs> which I definitely did. And what was your favourite place? Favourite place? Uh, so I went to New Zealand, which just has a country. Visually, it's definitely the most beautiful place um, that I've been to, I think, um, in America. I've, I'm a real sucker for California. Um, my uncle actually moved out there a few years ago um, from Toronto because my uh, dad's side of the family is Canadian in part. Um, so he moved down there. And so we went and visited him, which was amazing. And it's, it's, it seems fairly basic to say that it is very beautiful. No, no, never basic. You've got to speak the truth. So there you go, exactly. you talked about New Zealand. <laughs> You've been there as well. So many places. <laughs> um, but we should move on to your experience as a fresher. Your first experience as a fresher. Let's move on. So tell us about where you were first, yeah. what you thought of it, what happened. I want to hear the whole spam. Yes. Yes. So um, I love being a fresher so much. I did it twice. Um, <laughs> the first time I... Uh, went to UCL. So I lived uh, in Camden, North London, just 10 minutes away from UCL's Bloomsbury campus. And um, uh, it was wonderful. I had a wonderful year. Um, I had a wonderful time. I met a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. Um, I did a lot of conventional clubbing, um, partying. I did a lot of gigging when I was in London, which was really, really really fun and I think London has always been a place throughout my childhood that uh was this big goal of mine it was this kind of emerald city that I knew I wanted to live in I knew that I wanted to be a part of I think growing up in a village just outside of Cambridge um you kind of yearn for the big city and the big city is not Cambridge the big city is London so whenever I would go there it was kind of like the classic, like the streets are paved with gold and like I'm in the center of everything. And um, so I always really wanted to live in London. And um, obviously I'm at Bristol now, so clearly something happened. Um, but genuinely there's not that much to say. I left for a multitude of reasons to do with my course um, and just various feelings that um, it wasn't quite the right place for me to finish out my degree um I wasn't enjoying my course and I found a course in Bristol that uh looked perfect for me um but what I always maintain is I met some of the best people on that year um and made a lot of really really wonderful friendships that stick to this day and that decision of leaving was really really hard and something that's definitely weighed on me um and that I had a lot of time to think about in lockdown number one um, I think I just felt really, really guilty about leaving. Um, and lockdown one was kind of a time where I, I guess, worked through that to an extent. Um, but yeah, uh, it's kind of difficult to relate because I did have such a great time, but I also knew fairly, um, I knew at some point that uh, I wasn't going to be staying. Um, so it was a mi yeah mixed year but also a year where I fulfilled when you when you yeah I was there I, I did the full year you did do the full year okay can you you've lost me 
Sorry, I missed I missed a bit of that. What was that? So you did the full year, Joe, and then you so you applied to Bristol whilst you were still there, which must have been pretty stressful yeah. experience in itself. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I think because I saw basically that I knew that I wanted to be an English student over being a history student. Um, and now I study English and history, but mostly English. So it's a bit of the best of both worlds. Um, I found, I didn't find the applying so stressful um, or the going to Bristol so stressful. What I found stressful was leaving London and leaving uh, my friends there, um, which was tricky. And yeah, it was just, a, it was a tricky situation to leave because on the surface, it looked like I was having such a wonderful time and I was having such a wonderful time, um, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't right. And it didn't. You knew start. that it wasn't right. Um, Once you know that. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think also for me, because um, my faith, plays a big role in my life there's on to that not feeling quite right if that makes any sense definitely sorry you cut out briefly but um you said that that plays a role in you not feeling you weren't feeling right in London because of your faith or do you mean that you didn't feel right and you knew that because of your faith yeah I think because the added feeling of me thinking that I wasn't in the right place. I think my faith dictate, uh, dictates is the wrong word, um, but that was backed up by a, it wasn't just a feeling that was just myself feeling it. Um, it was with my faith. It was kind of backed up by that, I suppose. And does your faith play a large role or in your university experience in UCL and Bristol? For sure, yeah. So at UCL, I was fairly involved with the CU that was there, the Christian Union. Um, but I didn't find the church that I went along to, whereas in Bristol, now I go to a really wonderful church called Emmanuel City Centre um, with a really great church family. And I think with lockdown, um, the importance of community and just strong roots in wherever you're living, whether that be friendships, whether that be family, whether that be all these different things, um, the importance of community is huge in going through life. You cannot go through life as an individual. And even if you could, why would you want to? Um, so I think, yeah, that church family in Bristol has really, really helped me. And do you think, yeah, do you family. think that's helped you to settle to settle in Bristol as well because I know you found that a bit later on in your first year didn't you definitely definitely I think um I was fairly intermittent in my attendance at that at uh, Emmanuel City Centre in my first year but this second year it's really really helped me settle in um and I just think because it is quite an important part of my life because it's the way that I see and it's the way that I interact and understand the world so therefore it has to be a big part of how I live um and I think reconciling that because before I was very much I believe this but everything outside of myself doesn't need to help with that um which can lead you to feel like oh I believe something quite different to what all the people I surround myself with believe which is great and I think it's so important but it can leave you feeling a little bit isolated. Definitely, definitely. And then once you have that church family, I assume that you can relate a lot to in that sense with your beliefs. It's then easier to meet people that don't have the same beliefs as you. Is that right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think it's that you, um, because I, I wouldn't say at all that it's easier making friends with people that share my beliefs or anything. I think life is about... Um, meeting people with different beliefs otherwise you know you're just you're not going to evolve yeah. um but I think it's that kind of having a basis where I feel affirmed in myself and in what I believe makes me uh be a stronger person who is able to uh I don't know then interact with other people better maybe yeah definitely because then you get more of a self-assurance and more of a kind of confidence in yourself that means you're then sure. 
more likely to be able to evolve, as you said, and expand your kind of network. Yeah, well. yeah, I think that's what it is. Feeling rooted versus feeling like you haven't got any roots. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And that, like you know, to all freshers, that can come in various ways. Not just your faith; it can come in like your family Absolutely. or anything that you believe strongly about. And so, I would say to anyone you know that's struggling in their first year, it's very normal, and to have something that 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 you find like calming within yourself is really important to hold on to that and can help you kind of you know to get through really challenging times um yeah for sure for sure um but we must move on that was really interesting thanks jay we must move on to your next song am i chasing it uh so this song is wide awake by parquet courts so this is sort of if I had to wrap up my UCL experience in one song, uh, it might be this song. It makes me think of, uh, it's really high energy. Uh, it's wide awake. It makes me think of being awake uh, in the early hours in some club somewhere. Um, and also, uh, I went to see Parquet Courts at the Roundhouse uh, in 2018 when I was at UCL. Um, with uh, a few of my really good friends that I lived with and it was uh, an incredible gig and this specific song uh, got the crowd really good. So yeah, this is Wide Awake by Parky Courts. <laughs> this one yet <laughs> ah there we go <gasps> that was great <laughs> sorry about that technical difficulties <laughs> <laughs> um that was wide awake by parker Cox. i can't, i have never heard that song before mm, it's great it makes me think of summer it's great isn't it? and isn't it so weird that like different 
different universities and also different year groups within that university there's always like a certain song that you listen to I don't know if it's the same it was the same at UCL but in Bristol there was always like certain songs that everyone listened to oh for sure for sure well you have like different summer there'll be certain songs of the summer and also I find with different friendship groups with different friends you're sort of sitting outside playing music you'll have songs that you associate with these people and songs you associate with these people and it seems weird that you aren't all listening to the same music um it's bizarre isn't it did you notice that when you came music to music is just such a communal yeah i think i think so obviously there are songs that are very universal everybody knows Everybody knows the songs that are going to come on in the cheese floor. That's the whole point of the cheese floor. Um, but uh, different styles of music. I think I associate UCL with uh, a lot of, I would say, trance music, electronic, um, some funk music as well. A lot of jazz, actually. Uh, listen to a lot of jazz there. Whereas Bristol, um, for me, is very associated with like, I suppose electronic music as well, um, but punk I think is a big thing. Grunge in Bristol, definitely. Is a big scene. Both, I mean, both big, really big music cities, music places. But absolutely, there's something yeah, about kind of Harbourside, Bristol area. There's loads of venues we were saying that we just haven't explored. Mm, this is the thing. I, I'm so itching to get out and go to gigs um, in Bristol, which I just really didn't make the most of in that however long we had when things were open in Bristol. No, for sure. I think lockdown's just made like made me realise, and I think a lot of other people, that there's so much to do in Bristol and you've got to go and do it, otherwise you'll run out of time. Ah, oh, 100%. 100%. Um, Mr Wolf's Tuesday night, that's the only time I would hear live music in Bristol. Do you know what? I was going to ask this at the end, but I do ask all my guests, their Bristol top hangout slash kind of place that they, that, that's a bit, sometimes a bit secret, not very known. Would yours be Mr. Wolves? So Mr. Wolves is uh, probably my, it's definitely up there for best places uh, to go out to that sort of place. But my best place in Bristol the hidden gem that I think everybody needs to experience in Bristol is St. Werber's. I feel like I've been waxing lyrically about St. Werber's to anyone that I meet, but it's basically this like eco community um, in, I couldn't even tell you whether it's South North. I don't really know my locations. (laughs) Um, It's beyond Montpellier and St. Andrews. and it's there's like a city farm there. Really a great vibe. Um, there's also they've converted a church into a climbing center. So I can't quite hear you, Martha. A big part of my first year was uh, doing a lot of acting. Um, and the first big show that I did was written by this amazing student writer called uh, Eden J. Peppercorn. Um, and it was That Which Feeds Me. And it was basically a retelling of um, the life of Christopher Marlowe and done to a very like 90s punk rock kind of vibe um, and this song particularly always makes me think of uh, those rehearsals and those intense rehearsals um, which uh, characterised my first term at Bristol. So yeah, this is uh, Meth Lab's Oso Sinica. <laughs> Thank you.
going to stop it there if that's okay Joe just so we don't so we don't run out of time and um, that is that was Seven Horse um who was singing that which was formed in they formed in 2011 American Rock and to Week. clarify this example was not an example of 90s punk rock but uh it does make me think of that which feeds me does it there you go and you know it was in the Wolf of Wall Street that song I did know that I did know that um yes yeah, it was. In the as well. So that which feeds me, so you got really heavily involved in drama when you came to Bristol, didn't you, Jay? Yes, which I really didn't expect to. I did um, acting in school and uh, I didn't pick it, I didn't do it in A-levels, but I also did it in this company outside of school. Um, but I stopped when I was like 17 and then I came to Bristol and on a whim auditioned for... Um, the first show that was happening uh, in Bristol um, and uh, got into that. And then it was a very, very slippery slope into the world of um, Bristol theatre, um, which is amazing. I met so many great people through it, um, but I just really, really didn't expect to come to Bristol and get super involved with the drama scene. But, really? That's so interesting. Yeah. I think it's, I always thought it was such a kind of, such an interest for you, so you would... You, did you not at UCL then? Was that something you started at Bristol? No, I didn't do anything at UCL. I didn't do any. Although one of my best, best friends from UCL did turn out to be the vice president of the drama society there. So like I've always had links to it and like I taught acting in America. So I've always had like my finger in it. But um, I think the Bristol drama scene, I don't know if you find, is quite intense it can be quite all or nothing and I think I jumped on the all train rather than the nothing train so no yeah. definitely you can get very heavily involved really quickly and um, what I was going to ask you is from UCL to Bristol what did you find that was like what stood out to you immediately that was very different or new for you that you weren't mm. expecting maybe yeah um I think it's funny because uh people at Bristol um, and from other universities that might be more campus-based, don't consider Bristol to be a campus uni. And I mean, I guess it's not a campus uni. Um, but to me, coming from London, where you have uh, your little UCL campus in Bloomsbury, but everybody lives really, really scattered in the first year halls and then even further out when you move into housing for second and third or and fourth year and above. Um, so coming to Bristol, it almost did feel like a campus uni to me. Um, it really had that feel of it. Um, so everyone felt much closer together. It was much more convenient seeing uh, people that you knew. Um, whereas in London, it was much more of you had to make active choice to see um, specific people. Whereas in Bristol, um, you're kind of seeing more people um, around and about all the time obviously yeah. not now because of covid um but yeah. before it definitely did feel much more like that so that was quite an immediate change for me mm. um from london being yeah. part of a society as well like drama will always always lead to just like that kind of feeling of belonging which is quite nice exactly yeah definitely definitely and just bristol's it is much smaller than london it is it is a lot smaller <laughs> you did walk around and bump into people don't you which is really lovely I it's weird though I mean we didn't we didn't talk about so what halls were you in Jay so I was in um a halls called Sinclair House uh which nobody has heard of it <laughs> is uh a little annex off of Manor Hall um it was really really odd um but I really I really enjoyed it um, it was like little five person flats. I basically, when I was applying to Bristol accommodation, I went and said, um, I spoke to some people that I knew at Bristol and they gave me advice. And I was like, mm, interesting, really interesting. And then when it came to picking, I just went, which one is the cheapest tools? Please give me that one. Um, and so I basically uh, picked, uh, picked six because uh, it was the very cheapest tools. Um, what was so unique about it? What, sorry? What, sorry? Um, so we had families living in the bottom floors. Um, 
it was like, I guess if you're a grad student uh, and you have kids, then that might be the place where you live. Um, it was small, five person flats. Uh, nobody had heard of it. Um, so it definitely didn't feel like this big university halls. Um, which I, it depends what you're looking for. I think for me, who had already done a first year and had also taken a gap year, I didn't want to be in a halls that was going to be super don't know how to describe it but um that kind of classic freshers feeling I didn't want that um so for me it was good to have a halls that was slightly more removed more chilled out um than that vibe would have been um so if you're looking for something a little more close-knit a little cozier uh less big then I would recommend it. But if you're looking for your classic sociable uh, halls experience, uh, Sinclair probably, unfortunately, is not the halls for you. And the big difference between between kind of mine and your hall was the distance. I mean, you were super close to, to the city centre and to uni, and I was really far out. And so, again, location-wise, if you would rather be close to uni and kind of in the city centre, accessible to so many different like the river, for example, then definitely sure. head into the centre. Um, yeah, sure. So, Joe, pretty quickly after we both started first year, we ended up going into lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That's Would you say, firstly, that you made the most of those six months before we went in? I don't know how to, you know, you can't say you made the most of it, but did you, you fit a lot in, I presume? I... I think in many ways, yes, I did feel like I made the most of it in terms of, uh, in a physical sense, I was doing a lot of different things. I was doing a lot of uh, acting. I was playing a lot of tennis. Um, I was going on to church. I was doing all these different things. I was meeting a lot of great people. I was enjoying my course. But I think a lot of that was kind of as a reaction um, I think I was in a bit of a state of shell shock. I still couldn't quite believe that I wasn't at UCL when I arrived in Bristol. Um, I was a bit like, this is, I, I, I remember being dropped off um, in Bristol and just thinking, huh, why am I not uh, in Camden right now? This is really weird. I should probably be in London. Um, so that six months was a lot of me being like, uh, I'm gonna pack a lot in to not have to think about what has happened because I just can't really compute what has happened. Um, so yes, I do think I made the most of it, but also I I I think I only made the most of it because we had that lockdown afterwards where I could sit and be like, actually, let's uh, let's unpack what has what has happened here. Let's. Yeah. come to terms with this let's uh stop I don't know running away from that decision or whatever and how come how why do you think you felt guilty for moving uh, I think on a practical level leaving my friends there it felt like a bit of a betrayal um in my mind um which uh it didn't from their end but on my end it definitely did and I think uh I only then contacted them via message since leaving UCL until arriving in Bristol because I was in America the whole summer until I arrived at Bristol. So I hadn't seen them at all since I'd left UCL. Um, and it was quite unconfirmed until really late in my year at UCL that I was going to be going to Bristol. Um, so I didn't even fully know. So I couldn't keep them in the loop completely. Um, so I think a lot of that uncertainty with that um, yeah, no, I do remember just feeling very, very guilty. Um, and it definitely took until lockdown one to figure that out. And yeah. also just to realise that actually I'd made the complete right decision. Um, I think that was going to be my next question. Do you, are you happy with your decision now? Definitely, definitely. And I think lockdown one taught me that I was the fact that I was getting super involved with drama and all these different things that I wasn't going to be doing before, but mostly, and because the biggest part of my move was that I was uh, wanting to do a different course. And I basically 
I do I'm a bit of a, a bit of a nerd in that I just really really love my course um I just I, I think it's yeah I just think it's so interesting I think it's so but great be like it absolutely should be like that if you're raving about it then you definitely know you're in the right place doing the right yeah thing. definitely definitely and I think at the time it felt like I had thrown away this this great thing for something that even that was really great as well um but I was like well have I thrown this away but in reality I hadn't, I hadn't thrown anything away I just got uh to quote Hannah Montana uh, I got the best of both worlds <laughs> and he like even more experienced than before exactly exactly so I, I feel incredibly incredibly lucky that I've got to do uh uni in London which was always my dream to live in London um to do that year there um and then also to uh be doing uni fully in Bristol uh like it's so incredibly lucky in my mind yeah two great cities I wonder if you do you think you'll go back to London I think I will I think I will um People try and avoid doing the classic student thing of graduating and moving straight to London. Um, I could see myself staying around in Bristol for a while, um, but I, I will, I will uh, move. Long move time back. in the future. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, Joe, we must finish up quite soon. So, we're going to come on to your last song. Um, before we finish, I've got uh, two questions for you. There was going to be three, but you've already answered one. Um, I want your highlight, and again, highlight, low light of your first year at Bristol um, and one top tip to a fresher who is starting, please. Sorry, I've literally just thrown, thrown you on the spot here. <laughs> um, <laughs> highlight of my first year at Bristol. Um, I'm gonna slightly cheat here and say, um, obviously my highlight is all the wonderful people that I've met and all my amazing friends and all of the people that I've met they're all really really wonderful um so um, that's my little sweep un under the rug that but my uh physical highlight um that's a very very good question and it feels it, so long ago doesn't it, it feels so it feels so long ago um oh, I just I had a really wonderful time it, it would be doing one of the shows. I couldn't tell you which, just because, I mean, it wasn't a new experience for me, but I hadn't done a show in the longest time. And so to be acting again and be like, oh, this is fun, um, was kind of wild um, and just really good fun. Um, uh, we did a really fun one, which was a sketch show. Um, that was really fun met a lot of good people with that and uh I think that's I always prefer those kind of things because you know when it's going well if people are laughing it's going well if people are not yeah. laughing, it's not going well whereas sure. in any other show it's very hard to tell you've got that rec you've got that kind of approval and recognition don't you exactly yeah exactly so I would say that um a low light would probably be in, I think the first, the second week of uni, um, I threw up next to the toilet in my flat, um, which is just a low light because I'm so disappointed in myself for being able to make it all the way to the toilet and then still not throw up in the toilet. I think <laughs> that is, uh, and also I would say another low light, uh, that flat was 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 a fever fever dream um was my flatmate Alex got his phone a little bit wet um and then instead of just wiping the water off uh he put it in the microwave for 30 seconds um <laughs> and exploded the microwave so that was another low light that is what you do if your phone got wet put it in the microwave I mean I just would do absolutely it. so that and that is my top tip for if you're coming to uni so put your phone in the microwave if it gets wet. <laughs> Joe, that is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Absolutely love that. Um, we're going to listen to your last song if you really, really want to introduce it and then we're going to finish up.
Yes. So uh, this song really makes me think of uh, lockdown, lockdown, um, the first lockdown, which was in my first year. And I got really, 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 really into like 70s Laurel Canyon uh, rock. So that's people like uh, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, the Mamas and Papas, The Doors, blah, 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 blah. And this song, again, is not actually from that era at all, um, but it's by the Rolling Stones. It encapsulates that sort of like late summer um, vibe that uh, I kind of felt for uh, some of lockdown going on nice walks uh, in the sun. So, yeah, this is Sweet Virginia by the Rolling Stones. I want to say a humongous thank you for coming on the show. Sorry about the Wi-Fi troubles, um, but I really hope that we can do it again whenever, whenever. Back in the studio. Exactly, back in the studio. Um, and I hope this is helpful to anyone out there, um, you know, who, who may be going through a similar experience to Joe, trying out, um, trying out a new university. Um, and yeah. I think it's been really, really helpful and re really insightful for me as well. So thank you. No, thank you very much. Feels like a, uh, my first uh, therapy session. So thank you very much. You're most welcome. And now everybody knows. <laughs> we'll have 30,000, <laughs> 3 million listeners. <laughs> <laughs> 3 million listeners, great. Um, right, we're going to leave it there. Thanks again. Bye, this is Burst Radio. It is 7.20. I'm sorry that we ran over so much, but I hope you enjoyed the show.